Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians at the Beaufort County Library in South Carolina. And this week, we are going to be discussing books to get us in the mood for summer. Because mm-hmm. seasonal reading is my favorite. And summer is my favorite. It is not my favorite, <laughs> but books about summer are my favorite. They're fun. <laughs> uh, what do you think makes a good summer read? Um, I feel like I want high impact for minimal effort. That is an excellent way to put it. Yeah. Like you just, you want something that you can, it's intriguing, but you can also put it down easily Mm -hmm. because you want to be napping on the beach Mm -hmm. whenever you feel like it. And I don't want it to be brainless. So I still love mysteries and I love like, we call them the intellect appeal, um, books where Mm -hmm. we're, there's a puzzle, mm-hmm. um, but just still a sense of lightness to it. Uh, and I want it to be fun. I don't want anything that causes too much angst or anything that's going to make me sort of stew on the book mm-hmm. very much. Like definitely something that engages me, but just isn't, isn't something that will bring me down at all. How do you feel? I would agree with that. Yeah. It encompasses a wide variety of mm-hmm. types of books. Something that's very engaging that as soon as I feel like I liked, I don't want a whole lot of slow moving, beautiful language. Right. right. I want. You don't want to have to pick apart anything. Right. Right. I want characters that I'm interested in Mm -hmm. and a plot that keeps moving forward. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I know that when we did the Beach Reads episode, which I believe was our very first episode. I think it was. Yeah. We talked about sometimes Beach Reads are great or a great time when you can kind of get through a big, big weighty book. Yeah. Um, and I agree with that, but still that doesn't scream summer to me. Yeah. It's like you're hot and you want to not think too hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But not have it be a waste of your time. Right. Too. Yeah. That's yes. a, a tricky It is a tricky proposition. I so, hope we found some. I hope we, I think we did. <laughs> What's your first one? First book I'll talk about is Austin Land by Shannon Hale. Have you read this before? I have read yeah, this. It seems very much up your alley. <laughs> um, I feel like everyone I know read this years ago and I finally got to it when the movie came out two or three years ago. Um, and I was really sorry that I waited so long because it's a really fun book. It's about a young woman named Jane Hayes and she lives in New York and she has a pretty mundane life, but she harbors a secret obsession with Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice and very specifically Mr. Darcy and even more specifically the iconic Colin Firth version of Mr. Darcy that um, was in the 1995 BBC adaptation. Who of, wouldn't of have an obsession? I know. Have you, you've seen that. Of course. Clearly. That's, okay. That was how I got into Jane Austen was just this, you know, it was on TV and yeah. I'm all, okay. <laughs> Little did we know how my life would be changed. Um, so as a result of this this obsession, she um, has found that her dating life is pretty much shot because no man can compare to what she's built up in her head as this kind of idealized fictional person. But she's given, um, I think it's a bequeathment from her, her from an, an, an aunt, I want to say, or a relative who's wealthy. Um, she's given a trip to Austin land, which is an English resort that caters to women who are fixated on all things Austin. And she, um, or, and it's a place where, where people can experience what they imagine life would be like in Regency era England. So when she gets there, she dresses in period, uh, correct clothing, although only according to the size of the, the vacation, uh, package that she purchased. 
and she interacts with handsome actors who are playing various roles on the estate. So in this scenario, flirting is very much encouraged because that's what you would expect from a Jane Austen novel since there's so much about romance and, and the interplay between men and women. And so Jane um, is juggling two men. There's a, a handsome, wealthy gentleman, and then there's a funny servant that she turns to when she's tired of the game. Um, and so they sort of break out of character and, and end up engaging in a, a modern day setting. But soon she's struggling to know whether these relationships she's developing are real between herself and the actors who are playing characters or if it's part of the facade that she's paid for. And this is, to me, an ideal summer story. It's perfectly light and fluffy. Um, but it, for me, um, I've said many times that romantic comedies and, and chick lit are not my favorite. But if you love those, they hit all those same marks that you'll get from from those kinds of stories. So um at the same time, though, if you're not, that isn't your thing, then there's a lot more to the book than, than just the, the romance, I would say. I will also say the very first chapter of the book drove me nuts, and so I almost quit at that point. So if you're not a fan of, of Chiclet, then um, just keep going because that first chapter is not necessarily the same as, as the rest of the book. I also really love that it sort of addresses some of the issues that come from Jane Austen obsession because many of us sort of have this idealized version of what the world was like during that time. And England was at war through all of Jane Austen's life, essentially. And there was all kinds of poverty that isn't um, directly addressed. It's kind of a side issue in her books, but a lot of that gets ignored by fans of her books. And this sort of talks about some of that. And it also has some extremely wise romantic advice that completely took me by surprise. Um, it has a lot of depth to it and it's just very fun. Plus summer is the time you go traveling and why is Austin land not a place? Why has it's someone totally not, right. Someone should have marketed this. Mm. Like there's billions of dollars to be made from something like this because so many women would, or probably men would be interested in going right. to this. So, um, someone get on that so I can I go. I feel like there is, has been something like that. Oh, I don't I mean, know. Not, not called Austin. Right, right, right. But somewhere like that. I don't know. Maybe I just made that up in my mind. Well, there's there's those shows on on PBS of of Regency Country House and, yeah, and those kinds of things. That, I thought there was some place you could go and like, like pay for cosplay it. Cosplay it. Oh. I'll have I to investigate know. that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's Austin Land by Shannon Hale. And that also has a sequel, which I haven't read. Have you read No, that I was one? going to ask you if you'd read it. Yeah. That's a mystery, the sequel, I think. Oh. Midnight Nost. Yeah. I think. I would like to read that one too. Yes, I'll get to too. it maybe this summer. Oh, perfect. Yeah. My first one is On Folly Beach by Karen White. And this is my first Karen White book. I know you've talked about her before. She's yes. sort of local-ish. Yeah. Uh, she writes all about uh, the low country in Charleston mm -hmm. area. And this is about a woman named Emmy Hamilton, who is a widow at age 29 after her husband dies in Afghanistan. And she's completely mired in grief and she doesn't feel like doing really much of anything. But her mother encourages her to make a fresh start by buying an independent bookstore in Folly Beach, South Carolina, which is pretty near us. It's yeah. right outside of Charleston. Yeah. And it's where her mother grew up, um, but she hasn't really ever been back. Once her mother left, she never really went back. And her mother owns a bookstore. I want to say they live now in like Ohio or Indiana, somewhere in the Midwest. Also typical for people right. that come right. here. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so her mother has bought a book, or excuse me, a box of books from this bookstore in Folly Beach because they're closing. Mm -hmm. And so her mother encourages Emmy to contact 
the person who is closing the bookstore and offer to buy it to keep it going. So Emmy resists at first, but then she finds herself intrigued because she discovers some love notes written in the books uh, that came from the store. And so something about that and just the idea of a, a new start, she decides to take the plunge. She's going to go down there, check things out. She's never... She's not fully committed to the idea, but she just decides to give it a try. So she um, gets down there, starts working with the owner of the bookstore, and one of one of the caveats of buying the bookstore is that she has to allow uh, this older woman who makes bottle trees in the back oh, part okay. of the store, or like behind the store, to continue doing it. It's kind of this grumpy woman, and and Emmy's sort of like, "Who is this woman? Why why do we do this?" and yeah. And so, clearly, this woman has something to do with the love letters that uh, that Emmy is, or the love notes that Emmy is finding in the books. So, the story goes back and forth between present day with Emmy and her life in Folly Beach, and then World War II when this love affair is unfolding. Oh. And there is a clandestine romance and a disappearance and a possible murder. And you're learning as a reader, you're learning all about it what's happening as Emmy is trying to piece it all together. And it's a perfect summer book, in my opinion. It has the beach setting. It's an easy read, but it's a storyline that you want to keep reading. You want to find out what happens. You want to find out how all the pieces come together. Um, So that is On Folly Beach by Karen White. I think I've liked all of her books that I've read. I haven't read very many, but they're they're all kind of universally appealing. Yes, and I know her newest one just came out not too long ago. It's getting lots of good reviews. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, my next book is The Tourist by Olin Steinhauer, and I picked this because what is summer without a summer blockbuster movie? And this is basically that in book form. The tourist of the title is Milo Weaver, and in this case, tourist means a CIA field operative without a home or a name. At the beginning of the book, he's retired from that lifestyle after a mission went wrong in Venice on on 9-11, actually, and he's shot in the chest. And he survives this, but he's spent the last several years working at a desk, and he's pretty much fine with that. He has a wife and daughter that he's completely devoted to, and he's ready to put that completely behind him, this this anonymous lifestyle that he had. But of course, there's a phone call that will come in from his boss that forces him back into the field. And in this case, he's asked to identify an elusive criminal called the Tiger, who Milo spent, I think, years chasing. And and they sort of developed this kind of respectful relationship, I guess, with each other. They didn't know each other personally, but they both they both were impressed with each other's abilities. So the tiger has actually been inadvertently caught by a small town sheriff and he's sitting in jail. Milo goes to see him, but we ha- what he has to tell Milo will start a chain of events that take him all over the world to very exotic locations and lead him back to known information from his past cases. And it reveals to him that there's been a mastermind that has been toying with him for years. And this is obviously fast-paced and exciting um, in the way that you'd expect a summer blockbuster to be. But it also delves into some of the costs that come from living a lifestyle like that, Um, whether it's the sacrifices that he has to make at the expense of his family or realizing that people he's trusted for years are are actually not who he believed them to be. So betrayal is a a big theme of this book. Plus, I'll say there's a little bit of a Eurovision theme in this book, and Eurovision is a summer thing for me. So I really enjoyed that part, too. It was a fun little—I read this for— um, book club mm-hmm. last summer and um, they were like what was this Eurovision they were talking about and I'm like you came to the right place <laughs> so we listened to some songs it was great so you, you're going to get both a complex and a nuanced plot in this um, book and you get 
characters who are the same and also a page turner. So it's really a lot from, from one book. And I think actually this started a series. I want to say, I, I know that he's written, right. yeah, he's written, he was writing another series, um, which I can't remember the name of, but this was considered a standalone. And then I think it, it spurred some more books mm-hmm. with the same character. It's called the tourist by Olin Steinhauer. So I went sort of the same route for my next one. It's Before the Fall by Noah Hawley. The author created the TV show Fargo and Legion, which I haven't watched. I've only watched Fargo. And you can tell because this book feels very cinematic or kind of like telegenic. I don't think that's the right word, but like you can picture it playing out on TV or on the movie screen. Um, It's fast paced and lots of cliffhangers at the end of episodes and things, or (laughs) episodes, chapters. See, it's just dying to be made into a a TV show. Um, So it's about an airplane, a private plane, that on an August night is flying from Martha's Vineyard to New York City, and it crashes into the ocean, killing nine of the 11 people on board. The only survivors are the four-year-old son of a wealthy media mogul and Scott Burroughs, who is a down-on-his-luck painter, who was invited at the very last minute to join the flight by Maggie, who is the media mogul's wife. So he's not part of this elite crowd that was intended to be on the flight. So the narrative weaves between the aftermath of the plane crash and what's happening with Scott, what's happening with the little boy, and the backstories of each of the people who are on the airplane. So including the pilot and the flight attendant and the family and everybody who was on there. And there's a lot of intrigue about why the plane crashed and who caused it. And nobody who was on the flight is exactly an angel. Everybody has some secrets Mm -hmm. that they're trying to cover up. So other than the four-year-old boy, who seems pretty blameless, uh, it's a really juicy page turner, perfect for the summer when it's hot. You don't want to think too much and just kind of ride the the wave Mm -hmm. of this story. That is Before the Fall by Noah Hawley. Okay, next is The Weekenders by Mary Kay Andrews and... She writes what I feel like are kind of the epitome of summer books for me. They're they're usually set along the southern coast and they are easily read stories that pull you in immediately and they're not as heavy on issues as some other women's fiction writers. Um they they just sort of have a, a lighter tone, I think, than than like Dorothea Breton Frank is is more issues driven. Um this is set on Belle Isle, which is off the coast of North Carolina, and our main character is Riley Nolan Riggs and she's been spending her summers on this Island for the, for her entire life since her family was the original developers of, of the Island and they now control all development there. She's been dreading the summer though, because she has to tell her 12 year old daughter, Maggie, that she and her husband, Wendell, who took over uh, the business from her father, that they're getting a divorce, but she's also looking forward to the relief and the peace that she'll feel once she's back on the Island, because she knows that it will sort of work its magic on her. But the book starts when they're waiting for the last ferry to to take them out for the day. And Wendell promises that he's going to be there, but he misses the ferry and he isn't respond, responding to any of the calls or texts that Riley sends to him. And she's furious that she's going to be stuck um, basically breaking the news of this divorce to her daughter, who she already kind of has a strained relationship with. Um, the daughter is, is much more of a daddy's girl than than what she uh, has with this with her daughter. So that's kind of the start of her problems. And then on the the ferry, she's humiliated when um, she served what she thinks are divorce papers in front of all of her neighbors. So everyone knows that that this is what's going on with her. And then um, finally things get much, much worse when she gets to her house and 
um, she finds that it's in foreclosure. So she can't get in and she had known nothing about this. And she realizes that that things were much worse between her and Wendell than she'd known and that he had been keeping major secrets from her for a really long time. So Riley begins to sort out the truth and, and she's trying to get her life in order, but she's also confronted with a past boyfriend who is one of, he grew up as a middle-class year-round resident of the island and now he's made millions and has come back home. So romantic intrigue. And of course, to top it off, there's a body that's found in the marina under sus- suspicious circumstances. So this, there's a lot that's going on. There's things kind of pile on top of themselves with, with problems that Riley has to deal with. But it's kind of impossible to get weighted down by these things when it's taken when they take place on a resort island. So it sort of lightens all of these these issues into something that's more palatable. It has a very soap opera feeling, but in a completely delicious way. And it has touches of mystery and, and romance. Um, but it's mostly about Riley getting her her life back together after some devastating losses, um, which is very common to to women's lives is the the genre that we call it. Um, but it never feels angsty. It never feels heavy. It just is is something that you can you can sit and enjoy. I read it on a plane, but but you can enjoy this by the pool and, or on the beach, and it would be very very um, enjoyable in that setting. It's called The Weekenders by Mary Kay Andrews. I just listened to that uh, audiobook not yeah. too long ago. It's a good audiobook. Yeah, I think it would be. My last one is Since You've Been Gone by Morgan Matson. And before we started recording, I told Anne that. I could basically have filled up this whole list with just YA books because I just feel like there are a lot of YA books about summer and that Mm -hmm. feeling either after you've graduated and are about to go to college or just summers between your junior and senior year, whatever it might be, where summer is just full of possibility. Which I would posit is the best feeling in the world. The best feeling. Knowing you just finished your finals and you just have months of nothing ahead. Even at Christmas, that's the best feeling. Yes. This is why academia is the life to live. <laughs> you get that feeling for the rest of your life. And yet here you are in the public I know, library. Such terrible decisions <laughs> on my part. So this book is about Emily, who is kind of a shy teenager. She always takes the back seat to her vivacious, outgoing friend, Sloane. Um, but Sloane has the ability to pull Emily out of her shell and, and, in Emily's opinion, make her a more interesting person. She feels like she's not that shy and reserved when Sloane is around. And they have this epic summer planned, and I, I'm not remembering now if it's they're still in high school or they're about to go to college, but they have this plan of all these amazing things they're going to do. And then Sloane vanishes without any warning. She does leave a note for Emily, so it's clear that she's safe, and it's not some mystery of, I mean, it's a mystery of where she went to Emily, but it's not like the police are involved or anything. Like, she's clearly taken care of. She just left without any notice to Emily. Um and Emily feels completely adrift without her, except the fact that Sloan left a list of 13 things that Emily needs to do throughout the summer. So there are things like dance until dawn and go apple picking at night and kiss a stranger and things that they would have done together if Sloan was still around, basically. Um, but Emily would never be brave enough on her own to do it, and it totally takes her out of her comfort zone. So this is just the quintessential summer book to me because it captures that feeling of long days with yeah. nothing to do and hanging out with your friends and finding adventures. And there's sort of a scavenger hunt feel to it because she has this list of things that she has to accomplish. Oh, there's too. also a road trip, which oh. I, uh, that's like catnip for me. Yeah. I love a road trip book. Um, and there's romance. So it makes a great summer read. Um, and, and like we said, it just, it captures that feeling of that wonderful feeling that you have when you're a kid of in summer. So that's Since You've Been Gone by Morgan Matson. She's actually written, that. I'm sorry. Oh, I want to read that right now. <laughs> I wish I were reading that right now. She's written a, 
I know at least three, maybe even more books that all take place in the summer. So you really mm. can't go wrong with any Morgan Matson books awesome. that take place in the summer. All right, so we'll be right back with what we're reading this week. What are you reading this week? I read The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. This book is so good. Oh, I loved it. I loved it so much. You talked about it in Spring Book Preview, I Sounds think. Sounds right. It just came out this year, so it mm-hmm. must have been Spring Book Preview. And it's getting really rave reviews, and it totally deserves everything that it's that it's getting. Um, it's about a 16-year-old girl named Star who lives in a poor, predominantly black neighborhood. Do they say what city they're in? Uh, no, but I got the impression it was Chicago. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Why I got that impression? Yeah. I was maybe it's because my sisters DC. live in Chicago. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe I just missed that. But um, anyway, she goes. She lives in this uh, this neighborhood, but she goes to a wealthy and nearly all white school that's forty five minutes away. Because when she was a kid, she witnessed one of her her best friends being um, shot by a gang, and um, her parents just don't want her around that and and fear for her safety. And so, um, and gangs are really a prominent part of this neighborhood so she feels like she has to constantly navigate between these two worlds that never ever cross with each other and so at the very first um, chapter of the book she goes to a party in her neighborhood and she runs into her childhood best friend Khalil and she hasn't seen him for a really long time because she doesn't go to school with him and after shots are are fired at the party then they decide to leave together and almost immediately they're pulled over by a white policeman who forces Khalil out of the car and onto the hood. And during their interaction, he ends up shooting Khalil who is unarmed three times while star watches the whole thing. And she's of course devastated and traumatized, but she isn't sure what role she wants to take in the wake of this shooting. It's becoming a national news story and Khalil is being painted by the media as a gang member and a drug dealer. And her friends at school are saying horribly racist things about him and they don't know that that she knew him and that she was a witness. No one knows that that she was an eyewitness to this event. So um, she's kind of torn on what to do. But then the police announced that they don't plan to arrest the officer who shot Khalil for murder. And the angry tension in her neighborhood is beginning to get closer and closer to breaking into violence. And only Star knows actually what happened firsthand. I should say there's layers to the story that give plausible reasons to why she might stay quiet or speak out. It's a situation that has a lot of shades of gray to it. So um, you you really understand the weight that's on her shoulders. It isn't it isn't just a an easy decision at all. I felt like the characters were so real. It wasn't just Star that was a really fleshed out character. The entire side cast of characters is so well drawn, especially her family is it, it felt so much like a real family. It was really easy to, to sort of forget that this wasn't a novelization of a true story because mm-hmm. everyone was just so real to me. Um, this is a book that's, that's about a horrific situation that we unfortunately still deal with all the time, but it's not just about that star is also dealing with friend drama and boyfriend, boyfriend drama, and she's becoming an adult. And so there's a lot of normal teenage stuff that's thrown into this and just make it full and, and richer than, than it would be if it were just about this one event. And I felt like all of her fears were completely plausible. And I felt like she is doing remarkable things, but isn't, 
an unrealistic character and how she's she's going about that. I loved how the author was able to balance this topic with lots of everyday de- details. And there's a lot of humor in the book, especially from her awesome, awesome little brother who's uh-huh. made me laugh out loud many times. Um, but she never makes light of the tragedy that that's the center of the book. And I just thought it was amazing. I, I raced through it. I absolutely adored it. It's called The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Yes. Yeah. I fully support that. I think this will Recommendation. be maybe on both of our best of I'm the guessing. year. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have arm to wrestle. We'll have to see how it falls out. <laughs> Okay, what I'm reading this week is We Are Never Mating in Real Life by Samantha Irby. And I did not know who she was before I picked up this book, but I was uh, had an advanced copy of it um, and just wanted... Actually, now that I'm talking, I hope that this is out. I think it is by the time I'm... What? Well, I hope it is. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, so I didn't know who she, Samantha Irby was before I picked up this book, but she's uh, apparently a very well-known blogger. And it was a really de- delightful surprise to stumble on this book because I just liked the description of it. It was sounded, it was a series of essays, like humorous essays about her life, which I always think are fun. Yeah. So um, she talks about her relationships, her life, why she should be the next bachelorette, never wanting to leave the apartment because she doesn't really like people all that mm-hmm. much. Um, she talks, she works at a vet's office in an hourly job and sort of talks about how she knows that people look at her as thinking she should have more ambition, but she's sort of fine with that role. And Mm -hmm. she actually is very comforting to people who come in with a sick pet and things. And so she takes a lot of, I don't know, pride in it, I Mm -hmm. guess, you know, she's good at her job. And so she takes pride in that. Um, So it's, it's really, it's a funny book. I mean, she's a funny, funny person, but it's also really touching. She had a really difficult childhood, doesn't have much of a relationship with her parents. Um, So she goes into that and she also has an autoimmune disease, which she struggles with and it makes it difficult sometimes to even get out of bed. And Mm -hmm. and so she talks about that. It all comes together into a really fascinating portrait of this person. She's a big reader. So she recommends some books that she's reading. And on her blog, I went and checked out her blog after I read the book. And she runs a book club for adults reading YA, which is excellent. Um, And she also just talks about what she's reading lately. Um, So fair warning, some of how she talks or how she writes is a bit vulgar. She doesn't have much, lots of swearing mm-hmm. and lots of just kind of crude ways mm-hmm. of putting things. Um, so if I'm not even going to say if you're easily offended, like if you are offended by things like that, even remotely, um, you should just steer clear of the book because <laughs> I don't think you'd find it funny. I think you would find it really unappealing. Mm-hmm. But if you like Jenny Lawson's humor um, on her blog or in her books, it's similar to that, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of letting it all hang out of, mm-hmm. of every single bit of your life. So if you're into that sort of thing, I would definitely recommend picking it up. It's We Are Never Meeting in Real Life by Samantha Irby. All right. So let's go back and talk about what books we recommended to read for summer. Okay. Um, I talked about Austin Land by J- Shannon Hale, The Tourist by Olin Steinhauer, the Weekenders by Mary Kate Andrews, and what I read this week was The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. And I talked about On Folly Beach by Karen White, Before the Fall by Noah Hawley, Since You've Been Gone by Morgan Matson, and what I'm reading this week is We Are Never Meeting in Real Life by Samantha Irby. If you'd like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com, find us on our Facebook page, or on Twitter at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us on iTunes or your other podcast provider of choice. Our podcast is engineered by Adam Barber. Our theme music is Kitten by Paddington Bear. 
We keep our show notes at beefortcountylibrary.org slash well-read, where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode. Thank you all for listening, and happy reading. Thank you.